Hi everyone, it's Adam from Monkey Tennis here, just saying a huge thank you to all of you that have supported my charity appeal uh, so far. For those that haven't heard about it, this September I'm going to be swimming uh, 15 kilometres uh, between five islands in Cornwall. Uh, I'll be swimming the Isles of Scilly, that's Scilly, S-C-I-L-L-Y. Um, I'm doing it because I want to, but also to raise money for Calm, the campaign against living miserably. It's a well-known statistic that 125 people in the UK die by suicide every week, and Calm run a free and confidential helpline for people to speak through their problems and ultimately to help prevent suicides. Um, I'm looking to raise enough money to train two new phone workers um, to man those lines um, and I'll be doing it by swimming the Isles of Scilly in Cornwall. Um, if you're looking to support me, it would be greatly appreciated. Um, you can donate at justgiving.com. Um, just go there and search for Adam Swim Silly. That's Adam Swim Silly, S-C-I-L-L-Y. All donations greatly appreciated. Thank you for helping me to support Calm. And now on with Monkey Tennis. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Aha! Back of the net. Monkey tennis? In no way, you big spastic, you're a mentalist! Damn! Sorry, that was just a noise. Monkey tennis? I got, uh, really drunk last night. Sick everywhere. Monkey tennis? Uh, minor criticism, more distance between the eggs and the beans. Monkey tennis? I wish things had turned out differently, but I'm glad they didn't. Monkey tennis? Where's my assistant? I do not know. You're unpacking. Basically, Beef tea. Yeah, 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 yeah. Are you on an E? Monkey tennis? Can I have a glass of water, please? Hello, and welcome to Monkey Tennis, the Alan Partridge fan podcast. I'm Adam Brooks, and I'm joined by Tom Dark. That's merely a shaved boy in a wig. Nick Older. Fizzed up squealers. And Tom Stab. Woo, yeah. Woo, yeah. Woo, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> wait, uh... wait. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we're back with your feedback uh, on the Allen universe in general and specifically episode five of this time. Um, we've also got some uh, critical uh, maulings and celebrations of this time to go through. Um, I'm happy to start. Uh, there's an article in The Guardian this week called, uh, is this, basically says, is this time Alan Partridge's last aha? David Stubbs, the writer, says... Really, this should be Alan's last aha. He's had his chance in the mainstream and can comprehensively blown it. He should surely go back to the margins, to the broadcasting doldrums. However, given the actual existing improbable awfulness of public life in 2019 and the ogres who prowl in it, who's to say Coogan and the Gibbonses won't be tempted to suspend disbelief once more and give the shit another series? (laughs) I mean, 
I think they're taking it a bit seriously, don't you? I mean, firstly... <laughs> who would do a thing awful, like that? <laughs> the awfulness of public life in 2019 and the ogres who prowl in it. All right. Um, I don't know. I think... Uh, I don't think... I, I think we've suspended disbelief so far. I don't think it's, it's ridiculous to suspend, suspend disbelief further and give him another series. So far in this series, he's not been as disastrous as uh, the last time he's been on the BBC. So no, that's uh, fair. That's a very good point. And I think, kind of like we were saying yesterday surely something catastrophic is going to happen next week. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've seen genuine broadcasters present shows like this worse than Alan has. And <laughs> they continue to be employed to this day. So uh, I don't think it's uh, it's ridiculous that he would get another series of this time. Richard Madeley, Piers Morgan, cheers. So I'm going to cover off some feedback that we've received um, from our listeners. And I think it's fair to say that it's been... A mixed bag. Obviously, we had differing views on the episode. Um, but starting with I am Simon Young, um, he said, thought it was even better than last week's episode. Not something I can get on board with, Simon, but we're each welcome to our opinions. Um, then have a, a message from Neil Rook, who says, I love the beep over the word countries. Best episode so far. I would agree that joke was funny, but I, I can't agree with the latter part of that uh, message. <laughs> then uh, followed up with Ollie Rizko, hoping I pronounced that right. 100% my favourite one so far. Full on Richard Madeley. Um, again, I can't get on board with them saying it's definitely their favourite, but the Richard Madeley point is is a valid one. And then D. Kenny writes, um, it won't get the reaction of last week's episode thanks to Martin, um, but that's the best episode yet. Such incredible details and many harkbacks to past Partridge. And then finally, Mike Wright 1 writes, it's getting better each ep. It's all developing into an ace series. Can't wait to see how the series ends. Gags are great, but the tension and character development uh, under stress of live, um, as in live broadcasting, is genius. Layered comedy to watch again and again, just like the original series. I definitely do think there's a point in there around one, how will it end? We'll obviously come on to that next week and discuss uh, how this has kind of all played out. And I think that it's fair to say that any partridge does get better with age and repeat viewing. So I would agree with that point, Mike. Yeah, and... You know, throughout this series, we've when we've put out um, uh, a tweet or, or a message asking for people to, to submit their feedback, it seems that most people are kind of really, really for an episode or really don't like an episode. But this is the only episode I think so far that's had quite a lot of just generally mixed feedback. So we've got a bit of that now. Um, so we start with At Mighty Blackout. Plenty of gags landed for me, but definitely not as strong as previous episodes. Uh, Sam Knives loved the library trip. Also enjoying a lo- also enjoying a lovely action, just like at Dixon's. Sick of the Ruth gag now, though. I know we have to suspend disbelief, but surely producers wouldn't stand for her regular nonsense. Face acting still <laughs> truly brilliant. Uh, and then Malcolm Rob seventy three, very strong start, which we agreed with. And swearing library Good scene was brilliant. <laughs> library scene was brilliant. I kind of agreed with that. Uh, I liked how they bleeped out country lip gag and song at the end spoiled an otherwise strong show fair so uh, anyone who's ever watched great british bake-off will know that it now falls to me to deliver the bad news uh, and uh, these these are the tweets who would rather send episode five home this week uh at dean tonner says by far the weakest episode way too surreal for me i prefer a more real life alan uh let's hope episode six ends on a high horwich bloke said disappointing the lips thing just stank of a lack of ideas pain ant said the only thing i laughed at was that the receptionist in the opening credits was now laughing rather than scowling surprisingly poor episode mainly visual gags that would appeal to simple people I thought Alan usually dumbed up not down 
Uh, and finally, a great Twitter name here, at Kinky Mong, uh, says, we just... <laughs> Jed. <laughs> it's not just Jed under a false name. Not this time. Uh, weakest so far only proper laugh for me was bleeping country the VT bit went on far too long again and there were some weird editing errors as well well yeah we've covered some of that on our previous episode uh, it's certainly not an episode that any of us are holding up as a highlight of the series but I do still think there is a very strong partridge shining through in places Okay, cool. And now let's go to a couple of the best messages we had last week on the unofficially titled Monkey Tennis Hotline. Let's start with Brian from Ireland. Hi, guys. Uh, I just wanted to chime in a little bit about the last episode. Uh, I thought the lookalike segment with Steve Coogan uh, as Martin Brennan was absolutely spot on. He really, really did a pitch perfect impression of like a typical, you know, west of Ireland rural farmer. Uh, without getting like really kind of cartoonish and kind of caricature-y about it. Um, uh, I mean, it was it was genuinely spot on. Like there was minimal faltering on the accent and the, the mannerisms were like completely on point. Um, I think this is the third Irish joke in the Partridge-verse. Uh, I think the reps from RTE in I'm Alan Partridge is the first. And the, uh, the, the he's Irish line in Alpha Papa is the second. Um, but uh, Coogan himself, uh, being half Irish and spending a lot of time here in his youth, uh, said he, and uh, before in interviews, that he thinks he has a bit of license to do Irish jokes. Uh, and if they're if they're like this, um, he definitely has license. It was it was absolutely brilliant. Also, the the song medley at the end was absolutely incredible. Um, the traditional at the start was lovely, but to transition into um, the incredibly anti-British. Uh, songs of Comeuchy, Black and Tans and uh, The Men Behind the Wire. Uh, it, it genuinely elicited a spit take uh, from me and it's, it's completely blown up on social media here in Ireland. You know, even, even people I, I know who don't like Alan Partridge or Steve Coogan like, are sharing it. Like, they think it's amazing for like, you know, a BBC primetime show to even in jest have a character sing these, and I mean like genuinely really anti-English sentiment songs. It's incredible. Like the cultural significance those songs hold in Ireland towards anti-British sentiment is, it's incredibly strong. So it's it's an incredibly ballsy move for Steve Coogan and, and, and the Gibbons brothers and the writers to actually to do that. Like that was a, a huge, huge thing. Uh, and I'm surprised they were actually allowed to do it, uh, especially with the kind of Brexit climate we're in now. Um, I'm really surprised there wasn't, I guess, some sort of international incident. Thanks for all the hard work, Brian, in, well, Ireland. Thanks for that message, Brian. That's uh, quite insightful. Good to hear from our uh, roving reporter in Ireland, as it were. Uh, Yeah, I thought that was uh, interesting to hear that it's been so well received. Yeah, and just to add to to Brian's point, he was obviously talking about people who aren't fans of Partridge or don't really know Partridge picking up on it. Um, The the same thing happened to me at work. I work with someone who's Irish, and um, she posted the clips on social media saying she couldn't believe how brilliant this was, and, you know, she's not a fan of Alan Partridge, so it's obviously, it's gone viral, and, you know, as we mentioned in the last episode, sort of that... um, Martin Brennan character being on placards at the People's Vote March at the weekend yeah. and that show hadn't even been out for a week yet like that yeah. that's 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 meme status that really has transcended the episode and really travelled 
and actually it made me think of there's a very small gag we didn't even get around to mentioning in episode four when they say about coming to Sligo and Alan goes I'm never going to go there which is just like when he's having the meeting with the Irish TV execs and they're saying how cheap it is to fly and he's like yeah I think that's what puts me off so I think we can safely (laughs) assume uh, at least since 1997 Alan has never actually been to Ireland back to the monkey tennis hotline Uh, and we're keeping it regional we're going to Dave in Scotland Hello, Monkey Tennisers. Uh, it's Dave from Scotland. I'm from Scotland! What? Um, just a few th- things to mention about the sex doll, the much-discussed sex doll from uh, episode four. Uh, I believe I could see a bulge in the trousers, so I don't know if this harks back to Alan's predilection for lady boys. Um, and... Also, I saw him staring far too long at the breasts of the doll when he was checking for breathing with a very, very sinister look on his face. Um, also, uh, in terms of uh, sidekick Simon uh, and the digiwall, I think this is actually um, uh, quite a, a nice joke that it keeps coming back to because sometimes you think, is he going to have a disaster with the digiwall? Is he not? Um, also, I think the digiwall, um, he is... Uh, like the studio is unnecessarily complex and makes everything difficult for him because he has to press the bird it uh, quite a few times before he gets to the tweet even twice in a row and the camera symbol twice in a row to get to uh, press a movie symbol to get to a photograph so uh, it's very strange Um, but anyway loving your work guys bye Thanks very much, Dave from Scotland, uh, mainly for what? the fact that I had a, a minor revelation as you were talking about the sex doll as being much discussed about the way I've been spending the last three years of my life on this podcast. <laughs> so uh, thanks for that. Thanks for bringing everything into sharp focus. <laughs> uh, Nick, did you enjoy the fact he's from Scotland? I know uh, that that's one of your favourite lines from Mid Morning Matters. It certainly is. I enjoyed hearing um, an authentic Scottish man saying it. Um, but <laughs> Instead of I you. too can also. I, yeah, but I'd like to think I too can do an uh, authentic Scottish accent uh, if needed. Please go and ahead. We, and we it, cut to it's that needed. Now. Yep. <laughs> Come to Scotland. <laughs> right. So, Dave, <laughs> Dave from Scotland, if you could send us a follow-up voice message, uh, please rating Nick's uh, Scotch. Review. Uh, review? <laughs> Scotch accent. <laughs> and I do, I, I, am pre- I, I am pretty sure that people from Scotland like to be referred to as Scotch as well. They love that. They love that. Yeah, Got great. that in good authority. And cool. uh, finally from the hotline this week, uh, we go to our third call, and this is Dan. Oh, he did hear us. Hey! <laughs> okay, another connection between Ted from Sunderland and Michael. Uh, just a theory, but um, in the last episode, Ted said, because I'd smoked all her fags, so your wife was hitting you because you'd smoked all her cigarettes, replies Alan. And then obviously a few seasons ago, Alan, you threw a monkey into the sea. Michael, he'd eaten all my fags, man. You know, it was just a big packet of 200 duty-free, like... So um, either there's a connection there just in the stories or maybe uh, the monkey was just a metaphor and uh, actually that was his brother that he uh, metaphorically whipped into the sea off a rock. Dan's a fantastic man. 
and also thinks Michael might have been a metaphorical monkey and was thrown into the sea by his own brother. <laughs> Just so many Michael theories as well. I want I want this uh, this Ted Michael brother thing to be true so much. I feel like I might physically will it into being just through <laughs> sheer force. Uh, well, you could create some fan fiction, perhaps. <laughs> Challenge accepted. <laughs> Um, so we've had another message in from uh, John Copeland, who writes, I'm sure the maths uh, joke was done in the Tex episode and is not stolen from Peep Show. Uh, I am struggling to remember if that joke is even in there. Has anyone else got that to hand, whether it was or it wasn't? I tried to find it in the script and I couldn't. But it was Ooh, not an exhaustive John, it's search. being contested. It's being contested. Uh, well, uh, Drew's messages, uh, messaged us via WhatsApp, and he points out that Stuart Lee also does the maths uh, joke um, in his uh, show, Stand Up Comedian. So I think, in summary, it's just a general gag on Americanisms that probably has been done before in various different forms. And a nice little segue from math to a maths teacher. Uh, David, who is a maths teacher from Brighton, says, the maths issue you ha- you should have picked up on is AP saying that one in a million means there are at least 65 women of Jenny's standard or higher. He should have said 32 or 33 women, as only half of the UK population is female. Pedantic, yet somehow important. It's a good point. Well, I'd, al- I'd also add, if we're going to be pedantic, that he actually said of Jenny's standing, not of Jenny's standard. So if we're going to be pedantic, <laughs> <laughs> David, I do feel the need to uh, to mention that. I mean, he uh, did say that he is a maths teacher and not an English teacher. <laughs> Fair, in which case I retract it. <laughs> uh, continuing on the uh, the theme of maths, I suppose we move on to the thorny issue of Lynn's wage. Uh, Martin, this again. <laughs> Go on. Go on. <laughs> Go on. Martin, Martin Connor looked on the Bank of England inflation calculator for us and worked out that uh, Lynn's wage today would be fifteen thousand one hundred and eighty-one pounds and forty-one pence, assuming that Alan has adjusted adjusted for inflation. And in brackets, he hasn't. Oh, absolutely uh, not. Yeah, I'd also like to congratulate Martin. That is that is a good level of uh, attention that you've gone on um, to conduct there. So yeah, fair play and well done. I feel like we've let the side down that none of us actually did that. That was exceptional work. I didn't know there was a Bank of England inflation calculator, to be fair. <laughs> no, but... I mean, nor did I. <laughs> good point. We've all learned something. Yeah. Cool. Well, I think now it's time to cast our minds back to the heady days of episode four, when we were all having a lovely time, apart from Nick. Um, and <laughs> as per our Twitter poll for that episode, uh, you told us that was your favourite episode of the series so far. So it's worthy of some time rifling through your feedback and thoughts on it here. Uh, let's start with uh, telling Nick how it is, shall we? Uh, Dave, uh, aka at Stefan's friend on Twitter said, Hi Nick, you were and remain bang wrong. And Paulie G on Twitter said, was Nick watching a different channel? Hashtag just sack Nick. Uh-oh. I'm worried that has- hashtag just sack Nick is going to become a thing. Yes, let's get this trending, people. Come on. <laughs> so that's some people disagreeing with Nick. And what's even better, the next section we're going to rifle through the people that really, really loved it. So for our enjoyment, Nick is going to read you through those. 
Yes, this um, seems <laughs> somewhat cruel, to be uh, perfectly honest with you. Just a bit of but, fun. Yeah, these are these are um, messages from listeners who really enjoyed the show. So Abby Butler writes, uh, I've mainly loved, I think um, use of the word mainly is important, right I've mainly it. loved the, the new episode um, of the series so far, but last night's ep was incredible. The fat back, the angled mirror, the fat envelope, lovely stuff. Um Lee Kinch uh, says, back on form, not only was uh, this the best episode of this time with Alan Partridge, but one of the best AP half hours ever. CPR while singing the verse of Queen had me in pain with laughing so hard. (laughs) Harks of bass playing in his static caravan and singing Cuddly Toy. Like it. And then finally a message from uh, Sam Tilson who writes, um, is it appropriate for me to do the accent? Yep. Probably. Go for it. You've already done a Scottish one. <laughs> I'm not very good with an Irish one, though, to be fair. Hashtag it's, just like Nick. Nick, do it. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking bollocks. Uh, I'm lying. It was amazing. Irish Allen took me over the edge. The shout of, come on, Simon, and his shock was brilliant. So, people there who have absolutely loved it. But it hasn't all been positive, has it, Tom Stab? I'm taking on the mixed reaction. So I'm opening up the mixed bag, uh, the mighty mix-ups, and uh, Alex Taylor 79 has said, AGP is at his best in the realm of subtlety. Whilst I did snigger boyishly at the sex doll CPR bit, I don't like my partridge slapstickalized. Great word. Uh, <laughs> I enjoyed it is that his, a lot. It's his, it is his little looks and reactions and those of others to him that are sublime, not his silly pratfalls. Uh, and Random Man IW uh, says, This was the first laugh out loud TT WAP for me. Agree, the, uh, agree with others that the burping segment was a little too long, but Irish Allen showed just what a fine actor Steve Coogan is. TT WAP in general could be improved with more real life celebs being involved. Seven on ten. Uh, moving on to the section <laughs> lovingly titled Not Loving It, uh, we've had an, an email, I believe, from Brian Campbell who said, uh, I'm feeling I'm the minority. I'm not gelling with this new series at all. There are glimpses of how good uh, Know Me Knowing You or I'm Anna Partridge were, but large parts of each episode aren't funny or are too drawn out for me. I hated the IRA bit. They cut off the racist old lady, so to let the Irishman sing uninterrupted was unrealistic when they could have cut to the VT they didn't show. In fact, the racist old lady sketch had been recycled from Knowing Me Knowing You. I don't mind tropes or comedy metaphorically nodding to what's gone before, but just to repeat something is lazy and disappointing. I say all this as a huge Alan Partridge fan. There's a bit of a groundswell developing that if you don't find this series the best Partridge ever, then you don't get the character or comedy. I totally refute that. As somebody who's been with Partridge since the day today and is knowing me knowing you radio series, I totally get Partridge. However, large parts of this series just aren't working and aren't funny, in my opinion. Uh, well, fair enough, Brian. Uh, as we say, there's been a wide uh, range of opinions on uh, this time. I think it's entirely legitimate to for this to not be your era of Partridge. As I've said before, I think Partridge is like the Beatles. Everybody's got their favourite section. Some of it's wackier, some of it's more straightforward. Uh, You know, different Partridge for different needs. We've also had a lot of messages going into the uh, small details of episode four in particular. Uh, So we'll start with Holly Keane here. Uh, Holly writes, For Fop here, just a thought. Is the sex doll from Ep 3 of this time the same doll used to portray his wife in the corporate vid in the Ep Wardship Allen in series one of I'm Alan Partridge? Having a rewatch and I noticed the sticking out finger. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care. 
PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Uh, what do we think about I think, that? I think the answer is no. Uh, yeah. the, stick, the sticking out finger, sadly, is a coincidence. I, I, I didn't get the feeling from the... Uh, the fake wife, corporate video wife, that it was uh, the makeup a sex of the doll. sex doll. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree. I have a general question about the, the sex doll. Do you think Alan knows it's a sex doll, or does he genuinely think it's a CPR <laughs> dummy that he he's Look at the chest. Imagine, imagine going everywhere. Yeah, and imagine shagging it. Im- yes, imagine the conversation. <laughs> you've got to think. You've got to just think of the conversation. How could that conversation have happened that Pete Gabatas would have gifted it to Alan and given it to loads of Alan's friends, and they would have all had a conversation? Yeah. How could all of that have uh, have occurred without anybody cluing Alan in as to the fact it was a sex doll? I think. I think Alan knew. Pete Gabatas is a dirty bugger, isn't he? So was yes. show some respect. Was God, sorry. Re- oh, God okay. rest his dirty soul. <laughs> Next, we have a message from Nat Lockwood, who writes, Did anyone notice in the hotel bathroom, the pull-out mirror in there is positioned so he can see the bedroom, just like in I'm Alan Partridge, when Ben offers to teach him how to have the mirror to watch porn from the bathroom? Um, I can't say that I'd noticed that. Had anyone I else? I didn't. No, I, I didn't spot that. I did. I did. I, <coughs> I, I thought, hotel room, he's angled the mirror in a certain way. Is he going to be using that a little bit later on? I don't know. I did. It, just, it did seem a bit weird that there was a purposefully angled mirror there for no apparent reason. I don't think it's necessarily meant to be a reference to that, but it did just make me think of that. It mm. does. It does make the fact that he has to run away from Monty Don afterwards. Uh, it gives that an extra layer of humour. If he had been planning to spend the entire night in the hotel, <laughs> and he's had to basically flee a, a room that he's bought and paid for, or the BBC have pay for dinner. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and some more uh, feedback regarding Martin Brennan. Uh, Paul Roach writes: Irish Alan lookalike has gone down really well in Ireland. Irish audiences really acknowledge Steve Coogan's outstanding Irish accent the character resonated with many who have relatives in rural Ireland so kind of linking back to what we said earlier just kind of emphasizing the fact that this character has gone down so so well with not just people sort of uh familiar with Partridge but also resonating with people outside of the APU 
Yes, uh, thanks very much there, Paul Roach, the uh, self-appointed spokesperson for Ireland. <laughs> uh, John Hines gets in touch and says that uh, we desperately need a follow-up episode on the farm in Sligo, where Alan tries to prove there's nothing wrong with feeding turf to sheep. Brilliant. Absolute gen- genius, that whole section. Come on, Simon. Three crying face emojis. <laughs> and I think that leads us on nicely to what was probably the most popular tweet we had during the last week from obscure underscore partridge uh, where he writes i love how martin brennan struggles with alan's name several times during their chat but then shouts come on simon with no hesitation mid-song despite not appearing to have spoken to him before and as lee in manchester wrote to us he puts it really well it's a lovely additional insult to alan there that simon uh, that martin knows who simon is but not alan that's a great there's a lot of great detail in there that i didn't really absorb until i watched mm. it quite a few times really and also just the way Simon reacts to him shouting his name. He's just a bit, doesn't really know what to do, which is also good. Okay, a slightly longer message now, but one that's definitely worth delving into from Andrew Green. And he writes, Hi guys, to warn you. Despite having been a listener since the very beginning of the podcast, wow, fair play, mate. That's near 70 plus hours of listening. Oh, we're so Um, sorry. (laughs) I still have no idea who is who. Anyway, oh really? He doesn't know who's who. Right, so Adam's the host... Tom sounds like we're in between us. Nick gets things wrong, and I'm br- brilliant. Yeah, let's go mm, with that. Not sure about mm, that, mate. I mean, yeah. everything I've just said is factually cr- true. Factually true. true. Sorry, mate. Yeah. That's, yeah. A, that's a throwback. To, I did yeah, 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 sure. yeah. And yeah, also, yeah, yeah, Andrew yeah. Green will know that because he's listened to all 67 <laughs> bloody episodes. <laughs> <laughs> He goes on to say, anyway, I wholeheartedly agree with whoever said Chris Moyles could get in the sea. Was that me? I think that was probably that was me. That was oh, me. That was me. I thought that was I've always liked you, Andrew Green. <laughs> <laughs> whoever and you I are. Feel, <laughs> and I feel obliged to send this so that the awful man gets no credit for being uh, a possible origin of the humorous question order format that we saw in this week's Ruth sketch. I actually believe it was a reference to the excellent Two Ronnies Mastermind sketch where the contestant answers the question before last each time. Keep up the great work, guys. Loving the podcast and this time with Alan Partridge. And that's Andy in York. Uh, P.S. He writes, <laughs> and important to include this, Chris Moyles as a wanker. <laughs> <laughs> Not my words. The words yeah. of Andy in York. And, yeah. that's, and that is a fact. I'll tell you what isn't fact, these theories that we've been sent in. So Rob Gray Gray writes, uh, uh, this is a Michael and the chicken theory. In reference to episode three, when Alan talks about a man beheading a chicken in a car park, my thoughts immediately went to Michael being involved. After all, we already know that he threw a monkey into the sea for eating his fags. Well, it bounced off a rock first. What do we think about that as a theory? Do we think Michael's involved in that? I like it. It I mean, I'm just going to go with yes. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah approved. It seems like if someone was going to lure Alan to a car park to watch a chicken being beheaded, Michael is, Michael <laughs> yeah. is front and centre in the list of suspects. Um, at Dom Risk got in touch simply to say, furiously making out couple in last episode, Jenny's husband, two question marks. Uh, it's, it's an interesting theory, but to be honest, I thought they would have picked up on that snogging couple getting covered by uh, Alan's camera in this week's episode. So I yeah. think that may come to nothing now. I, th- I think if anything was going to come to it, come from it even uh, that would have happened by now yeah yeah that's a shame a thread left uh, left to unravel there and we have one more theory this week from Sarah Lockyer uh, she writes did Martin Brennan sing rebel songs by the Wolftones to get Alan in trouble Alan always likes to get some digs in about the Irish whenever the opportunity arises and Martin has seen this when he was researching Alan 
Am I reading too much into this? Yes, I think I am. But Sarah, that's fine. That's also what we're here to do. Uh, what do we think about that? Did Martin do it deliberately? Uh, I think. I mean, he did do it deliberately, obviously. Yeah. He did consciously it, sing the song. I don't, but... I don't think he did it to get Alan in trouble. I think he just did it because it was a primetime TV opportunity and he doesn't give a fuck, basically. <laughs> and, and also, the, if there was any payoff about Alan being in trouble for an IRA-based song being on television, I think we would have seen that in episode five as well, wouldn't we? Yeah, quite possibly. Yeah. yeah. And we've had a, another message on Alan's musical compositions uh, from Daniel Cure. He says, It's clear that music has always been high on Alan's radar since the early days. More recently, we've seen him use uh, creative ways of devising his own radio jingles and even using multi-track recording facilities to manufacture interviews with himself. That was an absolute high point um, for me. <laughs> um, to me, this was... Uh, I should say, I added that point in. That wasn't Daniel's point. Um, <laughs> <laughs> to me, this was a case of his status and means not quite matching his aspirations when it came to creative content. In Alan's mind, he's never been a just TV presenter or just a, sorry, just a TV presenter or just a radio DJ, but a genuine all-rounder who can turn his hand to any creative form of audio or visual output. Now that he has rejoined the BBC, my read on this is that he's suddenly got access to all of the resources possible and has made a beeline straight to the sound department. He doesn't trust anyone else to deliver on his vision and his negotiating power must be an all-time high so these accompanying musical interludes are the natural outcome. I would add that the battle scene earlier in the series is probably also down to his negotiating power and is almost certainly his biggest creative achievement. One thinks of the far less visual effort in the walk around Norwich back in the 90s as part of Knowing Me, Knowing Yule Christmas special where he discussed the city's violent past, um, having to reply, uh, rely merely on shaking camera and some stock sound effects to bring this to life. It is these small successes, in my view, that are contributing to the renewed spring in his step and ensure that despite the continued glitches and friction points in the programme, he genuinely feels for the first time that he is winning. Well... Thank you very much for that, Dan. That is a very well-developed argument about Alan becoming a much more creative uh, or having his creative output uh, allowed um, compared with some of his previous outings. I guess if in, in the 90s, when you have his battle reenactment comes down to a shaky camera and some people going like that, progressing to places of my life when he's going around Norwich Town Hall to a full-on battle reenactment, he definitely is winning. Who'd have thunk it? Fish lasagna. Right, so... <laughs> <laughs> Owen... <laughs> Owen Moon uh, has written in, uh, and he says that, uh, I have to correct your suggestion last episode that maybe Alan and the co-host... The co-host, her name's Jenny, uh, have been having a lasagna. If you watched the episode before about vegetarianism, she specifically says she is a pescatarian, unless it's a fish lasagna. Lots of love from China, Owen Moon. Um, so... Well, I guess if Owen eats a lasagna, then he might be a full moon, a bit like uh, this morning's farmer, Robert Moon. <laughs> Very good. So, two questions to the group. Is a fish lasagna just a fish pie? And another question to the group, would you eat a fish lasagna? Fish and cheese have no place together, therefore I am saying no. 
I think crucially uh, a lasagna. You're going to say yes, aren't you, you monster? <laughs> no, I was, I'm addressing the first point that you ignored. Uh, that fish, <laughs> fish lasagna has, has to have lasagna has to have yeah. lasagna sheets in it. Therefore, yeah. it's not a pie. Uh, yeah. Also, it sounds disgusting, but it is very difficult because I love lasagna, but I dislike fish quite a lot. So this is like being offered some sort of uh, chocolate mud combo. Guys, I'm looking on Google right now, and I'm seeing recipes for fish lasagna. I I was trying to think what would be the acceptable fish for that. I can only think something like tuna, perhaps. What What are the recipes oh, you're getting? So oh, I'm not saying lasagna. Any, but um, then you could you could have a tuna pasta bake. So it's in principle uh, the same thing. The first recipe calls for a fish pie mix. The second one calls for uh, seafood specifically, rather than uh, rather than fish. Any uh, crab sticks? Uh, yeah, I'm always alarmed no, when it just says you, no. You can you can have crab sticks in there because yeah, they're, they're not actually, made from real crab. They're not made from real crab. Um, yeah, I'm seeing a lot of seafood lasagnas. Dealers Delia's got a recipe here. I mean, I'm quite I'm glad now, so it's I'm looking glad. quite good. I'm glad we're really diving into this as this episode stretches past the half hour mark. Yeah, you know, do you want me to just read the recipe out? So, yeah, please. Yeah. <laughs> uh, moving on to AP politics, uh, David Crank writes, you're definitely bang wrong about Alan's political proclivities. There's no evidence that Partridge has changed allegiance and become left-leaning, other than that slightly sneering comment about the Daily Mail, which is probably attributed to the absence of Paul Dacre as editor. Similarly, his mentioning of Caitlin Moran also doesn't show an allegiance to the left, the same way me being aware of the amount of social media traffic that horror bag Katie Hopkins gets doesn't make me a Tory. Great use of horror bag. Yes, accurate and great. <laughs> really accurate term. Additionally, if I recall correctly, Alan fantasises about living in Chipping Norton and hanging out with David Cameron and Jeremy Clarkson. It's too much of a leap to suggest that he's anything close to becoming a lefty. On another note, you're definitely right about the suggestion that Simon should be a roving reporter, though. Uh, well... I think we agree with you, David, but w- w- what we're saying is not that Alan's become left-leaning, it's that, it's that he wants to appear that way and that he's, you know, striving for wokeness uh, but not getting all the way there. Um, yeah. I, I think the problem with this, and to sound like a true politician, I think I misspoke the other week and I said about Alan becoming left and what we very much meant was appearing to become left. Appearing was the key word which I failed to include. And I think that brings us to our final message of this feedback roundup this week, uh, which is from at Fashion Worked. Uh, They ask, is Alan the deadliest man to be around in broadcasting? He's gained quite the total. Lord Morgan, Forbes McAllister, Michael, John Baskell, could also add Lynn's mother, Tony Hare's Chris Feather. The only format he's not had a death in is the books. What do you guys think about that? Death by Partridge. Uh, he's certainly got the touch, hasn't he? I mean, I'm kind of hoping it doesn't... Rep- I think that would be a gag too far if somebody dies in the last episode of this series. Um, well, that's yeah, what I'm agree. kind of hoping for. <laughs> yeah, is your, that's, your, that's your predictor yeah, partridge. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I, it, I was obviously only able to choose one option for predictor partridge. The other thing I was thinking is perhaps it's the inverse and he saves somebody's life at the end of this series instead. Oh, nice. They- they do say that uh, the, the synopsis reads that there's a listener in peril in the next mm. episode, so uh, ah, there might be some truth to yeah, that. Yeah. Nice. I, th- I think this, this list is interesting, though, because he's put Lord Morgan, so Lord Morgan dies of a heart attack during Know Me Knowing You on the radio, Forza Callister, who obviously Alan shoots through the heart, uh, Michael, John Baskell, but then the fact he puts in, you could also add Lynn's mother, Tony Hare's Chris Feather. I mean, Lynn's mother, I don't think we can claim Alan is responsible for that, 
or Tony Hare's, but I mean, Alan is literally there when Chris Feather dies. So Alan is there when at least four of those people have died. I mean, I like the idea that Alan is some sort of unwitting Pringle Cardigan Grim Reaper, but <laughs> I think I think realistically what's happened here is that sometimes you've just got to move the plot along and to have somebody killed or die is the easiest way to yes. do it. So I think that concludes the episode uh, this week. If you want to get in touch and let us know what you think about any of the episodes of the series so far, or this time, or indeed the APU Alan Partridge universe as a whole, uh, on Instagram it's at Monkey Tennis Pod, on Twitter at the Partridge Pod, Facebook.com slash the Partridge Pod, the Partridge Pod at gmail.com, and the Monkey Tennis Hotline is 07923600017. We will be back next week covering everything you need to know, think, and feel about the final episode in the series of this time, and it will be followed up as usual with an episode based around your feedback so please do get it winging into us now Uh, from all of us at monkey tennis the alan partridge fan podcast thank you for listening and goodbye goodbye i'm off to cook a fish lasagna (laughs) back of the net Monkey tennis? In no way, you big spastic, you're a mentalist! Damn! Well, that was just a noise. Monkey tennis? I got, uh, really drunk last night. Sick everywhere. Monkey tennis? Uh, minor criticism, more distance between the eggs and the beans. Monkey tennis? I wish things had turned out differently, but I'm glad they didn't. Monkey tennis? Where's my assistant? I do not know. You're a fucking... Basically, beef tea. Yeah, 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 yeah. Are you on an E? Monkey tennis? Uh, have a glass of water, please. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.